0: And then we can get rattled into it. How's that sound?
1: Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, can start. Anything else you want to say? No, 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 no. no. It's just go on. We can insult Mary when we're actually live.
0: That sounds good. I like the idea of that. Yeah. Later. Well, there
1: you go. There's the trailer for the start of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you should be waiting to see what we see about
1: Yes, well, it's obviously going to be lots of good things.
0: Obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll cut them out, though. <laughs>
1: Come on, let's Druggie. Sorry but all the parents say you that. Know?
0: You're gonna have to say a
1: few words. Kyle's dead. Tell me what happened. He got mixed up with some drug dealer. Viking. He likes hurting people. What is it with all these nicknames? Speedo, Viking, Eskimo. It's a gangster thing. Did you have a nickname? Wingman. Wingman? I'm
0: gonna kill him. Good evening all, and welcome back to the Movie Scramble podcast. I think we had two of yous return last time. Hopefully you brought some friends and stuck around yourself. I'm hoping to at least have five listeners by the end of this podcast. So thank you for coming back. Uh, I'm Simmy. As always, I'm joined by the wonderful John.
1: Good evening, Simmy. How are you this evening?
0: I am not too bad, not too bad. I'm loving the fact that it's probably the hottest day of the year. And I'm in a darkened room with you talking about films.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's a fair irony. And isn't know that Scotland only has two good days. And uh, I've been either stuck inside all day today and then I've come home and I'm stuck <laughs> inside as well. But these are the things we do.
0: Exactly. You may notice there's only the two of us uh, just now. Mary has went AWOL. She has not been deported from the country due to being cancelled, <laughs> but she is on holiday, unfortunately. And is not here to grace us with her presence,
1: yeah. But she is very sorry, obviously, and she will be back. Uh, she will be for the, for, the, for the next episode, yeah.
0: He will be very sorry, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. The night is still young,
0: exactly. A pity we aren't. But following us <laughs> on social media, you know, we're planning and speaking about co pursuit starring Liam Neeson and Tom Bateman. It was directed by Hans Peter Moland, who remade his own film in Order Disappearance, which starred originally starred Stellen Skarsgard. Now, when I first seen this film out in this the trailer, I thought he was another uh, Liam Neeson type revenge movie. And I didn't really give it much thought other than that. I, I thought, if I've got the time I won't see it. Pass me by. But John, you seen it first and then you put it on to myself.
1: Yeah, I saw it when it came out at the cinema at the time. Again, as you said, I wasn't particularly uh, overwhelmed by the, the trailer. And obviously there was a lot of controversy that had been generated by Liam Neeson himself uh, as he was promoting the film, which I don't think it really did any favours. But the film is actually fairly decent. It uh, starts off... A bit like a sort of standard revenge thriller, but you you get wee hints really early on that it's not quite what you're expecting. starts off with an Oscar Wilde quote, which uh, is a bit sort of highbrow for for these type of films. So that gives you an idea that it's not quite uh, as serious as you think it possibly would be. And you kind of see that uh, it's trying to do something a wee bit different in terms of Neeson's performance and the, the story and everything that it's trying to tell. Um, what did you think?
0: I wasn't impressed, to be fair. No? Um, no, I mean, were you. I, mean, I first seen the trailer for it, I thought, again, this could be interesting. That's Liam Neeson, revenge thriller. she's bread and butter these days. And you told me I had a bit of, kind of black comedy to it. Some mm-hmm. dark humour. And I thought to myself, well, do you know It's Liam Neeson playing a snowplough driver. Who goes after gangsters when his son is murdered? I suppose if you're going to make a film like that, it has to not take itself seriously.
1: Yes, I, of course. Yeah,
0: I just didn't think it worked tonally. Um, I liked the, I liked the style of it at first. That kind it made me a true romance.
1: Mm, yeah, there was an influence, that kind of influence from sort of yeah, sort of Tarantino-esque, I would say, in, in mm-hmm. certain ways, with the way that it was a very dramatic setting, and uh, especially all of the characters. And I've got to say that uh, all the the antagonist and all his crew all have nicknames as well, which is the kind of thing that you would associate with a, a sort of Tarantino-style film as well. It's, 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 there are elements of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, sort of the main character, I thought, was... I, I, I was I was more interested in the main character because he, he didn't come across as being this sort of flawed individual and he didn't come across as being uh, a sort of typical Liam Neeson-type revenge artist in that he's got a particular set of skills. I mean, his set of skills extended to the fact that he could drive a snowplough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there wasn't much more to it than that. Um, I liked the way that... Um, it. It set the tone really early on, as I say, with Oscar Wilde quote and the dramatic backdrop, but then it used music in a really good way as well because uh, it was using sort of certain dark elements and uh, tonally it was was making it out to be uh, like a film that was your sort of standard revenge, but then there were certain points in it. And it would play like a wee happy tune or you would have Barbie girl playing in the background and that kind of really lightened it and really changed it. And I thought, yeah, that's not bad. Actually, it kept me interested rather than just going from point A to point B to point C and there was really nothing in between that really sort of kept your interest. I did think, though, that... uh, the violence was particularly brutal in it for some reason. I've I, And it was completely unexpected. I didn't think that it was going to go that way at all. I think that was probably uh, something that was taken from the original Norwegian film uh, rather than uh, it was used for American audiences. I think that um, there was a lot of elements taken from the original film and he just redid them um, because he could. He wanted to make an American version of the film, but I think it's very, very close to the original. Uh, I've seen parts of the original film and it looks like they've lifted dialogue wholesale from it and they've lifted scenes from it as well. So, you know, you've you've got to think one way, why did they do it? And then another way, you've got to say fair play to the director for actually just doing it that way as well.
0: Yeah, kind of a a straight remake. I haven't seen the original but on upon looking up on Wikipedia and the plot and stuff, it didn't look like really it deviated much from it, if at all. I just kind of, I liked the idea, as you're saying, that all the kind of villains had their own nicknames and stuff. And as Liam Neeson kind of worked his way through them all, killing them, it came up with their name with a little mm-hmm. cross to signify they died. And I, I, I thought that was quite cute in a way. Yeah, quite nice, a nice week, and I, I don't like the word quirk, but I can't think of a better word just now. Again, I mean, it made me true romance, even the score. That kind of true romance, kind of wee badlands style, mm. like motif to it. I just, I didn't find it a lot of fun. You know, mm. and you know, to the point I was like, right, this film isn't going too much in either direction here. Liam Neeson's playing the film like a straight revenge movie. Yes, but the rest of the film and about him is this more kind of wacky black comedy. I just didn't yes. think really merged very well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was it was him and his wife, and they were totally serious and straight. And then there was his brother and his brother's wife, who were just completely off the chart in terms of, as you say, wackiness. And the main antagonist as well. He was very, very sort of full-on, almost like pantomime bad guy. In parts, you know, he would mm. moan and complain about uh, his son getting like fatty foods and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, he'd, he'd no, no compunction at all about like shooting somebody in the head. It's just part of his job, you know. It's just very. It was very. I, I know what you mean. It was quite strange, but because of those elements, that's why I, I enjoyed it more than obviously uh, you did.
0: <laughs> I maybe mean, that's the point of the film. You know, the, the fact that it was two separate worlds. And... I just thought when it collided, the film didn't really know what it wanted to be at times. And I I like Liam Neeson as a a, a comedian roles, I thought it was brilliant in extras. He's great at playing the straight man. Mm. I just didn't find that there was much humour in his scenes, even when the world was kind of collided. And the violence was over the top, as you say, it was very, very brutal. But a kind of comic book element to it.
1: Yes, of course.
0: But does suit the kind of the tone of the movie at times? I just find like I keep saying it's just a, it's a mesh. I don't think it really worked, and I just didn't find the film a lot of fun. And I found it too long as well. It's some great set pieces. We had like, Liam Neeson driving through the snow, and uh, it just looked it looked great. It looked mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. In the final, the third act kind of big battle was quite inventive.
1: Yes, aye. It's the kind of thing you can get away with in a sort of skiing resort. Those There was a, a few elements that they added in there uh, which only would work in somewhere like that. But yeah, I, th- I thought that uh, the third act, yes, was particularly good, basically because uh, the second act had um, set up this big battle and you knew, kind of knew this was all, always going to happen based on uh, how everybody kind of came together in the second act and obviously there's there's usual misunderstandings and everything uh, so yes that did work well uh, but I agree with you that it was too long I mean it was just shy of two hours they could easily have shaved off about 30 minutes of him driving through the snow <laughs> there was a wee bit too much of that.
0: Did you not kind of find as well that it, it went from being like mild mannered snowplow driver to like dangerous assassin in a scene. Now, I'm not saying we had to see some kind of like Rocky style montage, but I have some kind of backstory to him to say, well, there's a power driver, and now he's like a crack shot.
1: Well, it's not really a crack shot if you think about it, because, um, well, early on, without re- I mean, it doesn't really spoil anything. He, at the start, uh, when his son dies, he decides to end it all. And the way he goes about that is really amateurish. And he kind of figures out from that that he can't really use a gun in that way because he's not very good at it. So he basically makes it off like a, a sawed-off rifle, if you like. And he can only you can only use something like a really close range, and he can get away with it at a really close range, and it works. He's not he doesn't turn into a sharpshooter, but yeah, there there isn't really any sort of build up or understanding why he became like that. I th- it, it was almost as if something really just snapped inside him. You could kind of see that in a way. I can see the the type of character that he was and how it led to it. Because uh, when he was getting the award for being Citizen of the Year, right at the very start of the film, he just he was not interested. You know, he was saying, "Well, how many words do I have to say here?" You know, so he's a guy who uh, just basically likes what he does and likes being in his own. And it didn't it didn't really work. You're, you're right. It didn't work in terms of him. Uh, becoming this uh, assassin, but it was really rubbish. At <laughs> it, kind of it uh, was really old as well, because of it when he was like carrying bodies, he was out of breath and everything like that. And, uh, there's a, a memorable uh, scene where he's involved in a fight with a guy, and uh, the guy's just as unfit as he is, and they're both knackered. <laughs> they're both like, <laughs> laughing and uh, going, "Oh, how you doing, old man?" and all that sort of stuff. And that was quite good because it, it did show that he wasn't. Like this sort of super assassin type, you know, relentless, never stopping. You know, he had to stop for a breath and maybe like, you know, sort out his, his dodgy knee or whatever, you know. There it was, it was elements of that. You could also tell that he was quite kind of a capable guy because he works outdoors. And I mean, he had a big garage, so he must be he must be capable. <laughs> he can't he can't be all bad if you've got a big garage, you know. What did you think of uh, Laura Dern and his wife uh, and her part?
0: I thought she was very criminally underused.
1: Aye, absolutely. I was really surprised. I mean, it's always good to see Laura Dern Laura on screen. She's a absolutely fantastic actor, but she was hardly there at all, and she had very little to do. I didn't just know to... she was
0: in it. And when she popped up as his wife, I thought, oh, Laura Dern's in this. That's, that's a bit mm. interesting. And then she was barely in it, to the point where you're like, well, why was Laura Dern in this film?
1: Exactly, yes. They could have just... Uh, well oh, that's one way they could have saved about 15 or 20 minutes just having her uh, not be there mm-hmm. and that gives them another reason for going off the rails or whatever you know but yes yeah, yeah I, I'm you know a wee bit disappointed with it but I d- it, was, it was a reasonable way to pass, a, pass an evening
0: you know there are worse ways. So John would you recommend the film? Um,
1: Cautiously yes I'd recommend it it's if it, if it comes on the telly, yes, it's worth a watch. Or if you're looking for something just to not really totally invest in. Because let's face it, everybody likes these type of films now and again. You don't have to watch something uh, intently. Sometimes it can just be a, something that's on and you're just half paying attention to it. So yes, it, it was an okay film. Um, I have seen better, but I've seen a hell of a lot worse than that. So
0: <laughs> I am going... controversial and say I wouldn't recommend this film. If you're a Liam Neeson fan, not going to do any harm to watch it, but he has got better films out there. He's got better revenge films out there as well. (laughs) (laughs) And because there's only two of us, we can't even get a tiebreaker, so we will leave it entirely up to you, whether it's button in the middle. Do you want to see this film or not? Please, if you do see it, or if you have seen it, let us know. We are very, very interested in your thoughts. How can I help you, boss?
1: Uh, I'm, uh, I'm looking for a a tux. You got it. When's the wedding? Uh, it's not a wedding. My, uh, my wife and I were, uh, renewing our vows. Still going strong, huh? (laughs) That's what I like to hear. How's about we get you measured? Sure.
0: Continuing on from the snowy themed setting of Cold Pursuit, we were on social media and we were asking you what your favourite films were set in a snowy landscape, and we also thought of the top three yourselves John, do you want to go first? What's sure. Your... Give, me, give me one of your films, but a snowy landscape it doesn't have to be Christmas based. Yeah, you well,
1: don't... I. I I have avoided Christmas-based films because I was too sort of straightforward and um, wanted to go for something like a wee bit different. So the first one I chose is a film called Arctic. Um, it was just out about four, three, four months ago. It's uh, Mads Mikkelsen. And he is pretty much the only person in the film. He's a, a pilot who uh, has crashed in the middle of the tundra. And... Uh, his radio is not working, so he's had to make the best of it. Uh, basically, set up camp in the ruins of his plane, and uh, he's got this portable wind-up radio thing that he takes up to the top a hill every day, and he goes fishing, and he basically just tries to survive. Now, and it's very, very much just you're watching him go about his daily business for the first half of the film, and then uh, he manages to get a signal out. Somebody tries to come and rescue him, and. Uh, goes on from there. Now It's a terrific performance from uh, Mickelson because he's a terrific actor. Uh, there's nothing for him to play off because he's got no one, it's not like a Tom Hanks and Castaway where he's got his imaginary friend Wilson. It's just him uh, and it just works really well. It's really absorbing. You get totally uh, caught up in these sort of daily dramas and because of the, the whole landscape thing and the fact that it's ice and snow everywhere, Everything he does is fraught with peril. You just you just don't know what's going to happen to him at all. It was an excellent movie. That sounds quite interesting.
0: I haven't heard of that. And I do like Maz Mikkelsen, so mm-hmm. I would definitely put that on my list if I came across it on Netflix.
1: I think it's just out in DVD this week, or last week, I think it was. It was one of these ones that... I think I saw at the Glasgow Film Festival, and uh, that was one that benefited from seeing it in on a big screen because, again... Uh, they made full use of uh, the, the scenery and uh, the sort of remoteness of the, the you know, isolation of, a, of of his whole situation. So, yeah, I I would recommend that, yeah. Thanks. And I know uh, Miss Palmer from this party she would uh, definitely like it as well, because I know she's a bit, a bit of a Mads Mickelson fan.
0: Yeah, let's be honest, she probably recalls that Carlsberg Albert he's in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Every time, yeah. You
0: know, I actually seen that the other day, and I was like, I'm like I know the actors, all oh, these actors are just in adverts now, but I was still a bit upset to see him in one, you know?
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: ah, man, mate. I am going to go with 30 Days of Night. Uh, good choice, man. Yeah. Directed by David Slade, starring Josh Hartnett, Master George, it focuses on an Alaskan town. We were about to see the sun for the last time for the next 30 days. Unfortunately for the inhabitants... It's a month-long Feast for the Vampires who all come out, and I thought this film was absolutely fantastic when i seen it. I haven't actually seen it since. I was going to find a comic before i seen it. Um, Love David Slade. He's a great director. He directed my favourite Twilight film. And the vampires in this are just something else. I mean, there's... Hollow is very very well known for it, this romantic vampire you know we've all seen it many many times and yeah, the,
1: the, sh- the shimmery ones yeah yeah
0: you know you know something seductive something alluring in this are total utter monsters and the film it is just brutal from start to finish and i just loved it i love the setting i love the idea of it you know there's no sun there's no sunlight
1: yeah I, it's a lovely sort of uh pale blue hue to the whole film, isn't it? It's really, really well done, just to uh, emphasise the fact that there's no sun and everything. I I was just really surprised that nobody had really come up with that idea before. Mm -hmm. It seems such a simple idea, the fact that, you know, there are places in the Arctic Circle that goes dark for at least a month uh, out of the year. You know, and who loves the dark? The vampires, you know? But yes, yeah, the vampires were particularly brutal on it. It was good. It was a really good sort of cat and mouse game in it as well you know uh, when they were trying to hide just to try and get through the days and everything and keep quiet because usually you get some sort of a uh, respite in a vampire film because there's days and then there's nights so you've got the respite during the day but you didn't have that at all it was just totally full on
0: That's so exactly you watch any vampire film you know and it's like yeah what are they doing they're trying to hold out to the next day mm. whether it's from Dusk to Dawn or the Hammer Hall Dracula films and stuff they're basically just trying to see out the night until the sun comes up in the middle safe can't do that for a full month
1: mm, yeah yeah really changes I, the game i really like josh hartnett as well i thought he was very good in it i i was really surprised that he never became like a sort of major realist star because i thought he really had it in him but i know he's still acting away and he's he's he is in sort of reasonably major roles and everything but he's not didn't quite make it to that sort of status that i thought he would probably get there you know he had the looks and he was obviously a pretty decent actor as well but a bit of a shame
0: yeah you're right thanks a very good actor um don't disagree with anything i agree with all of it and master george who is just amazing let's be honest
1: There's mm-hmm.
0: really been in much either and she's very good i will i, I like her and she's good yeah yep Aye. Good, Right. it's good cast good director very brutal idea uh Comic book movie that is it made by Marvel or DC for a change? <laughs> oh, actually, don't quote me on that. It'd be an offshoot.
1: I can't. It. I can't remember.
0: Yeah. Point being, it's not a superhero film. You know, it's a very original comic book tale. Something a bit different. And it's a brutal horror film in its own right. Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally. Next for me is the hateful eight.
0: Oh, yeah. I had that in my short list.
1: Uh, Quentin Tarantino, I had the 30 Days of Night in my shortlist as well, I was going to be one but I thought you would have probably picked that one anyway uh, yeah, the Uh the Tarantino epic uh, Ennio Morricone score uh, set in the snowy wilderness, you know eight people stuck in a cabin uh, I just love everything about it it is sort of prime Tarantino all the characters are really interesting, they get really well developed they've got such good dialogue it's all done in the, the interaction between them. I always thought it was a, a, a really funny thing that he uh, he decided to film this in seventy mil, and then set the majority of it in the inside of a cabin. Yeah, <laughs> which I thought it didn't make use of uh, a lot of the the sort of the outdoor stuff. There was a bit of it, but. Um, the, the whole reason they're there is because of the snow and because they're all stuck and uh, the whole sort of claustrophobic atmosphere and everything. Just such a great film, great performances. Cut Russell's immense in it. He's just so good. I mean, that man can carry a beard. He's just <laughs> something else. Uh, but I don't think there's a bad performance in it. So yeah, that's choice number two for me.
0: It's a very good choice. I really enjoyed the hit for it. I remember having to go and see it at the showcase because Cinevill weren't showing it. Do you remember mm,
1: that? Yes, that's right, yeah.
0: And I always remember because the showcase were doing a discount for Cinevill members. <laughs> I went to the showcase with my pass and I showed her it and the woman at the desk looked at it and looked at me and went this is a showcase. And I'm like, yeah, but you're doing a promotion. And she went, oh, <laughs> yeah. Ah, I'm like, yeah, I'm not a total idiot. <laughs> I wonder if I'm the only person that's done that in the past?
1: Mm, probably not, no. Probably
0: not. But I really enjoyed the hit for it. And going back to what we were saying about better-seen films in cinema, that's definitely one that was worth seeing in the cinema.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. For every element of it, for the, the visuals, and uh, as I've, I mentioned before, the want one score. I mean, he came out of retirement to do uh, a score for tarantino and tarantino is famously never used score before it's all sourced music whether it be classical or whether it be sort of uh, needle drops mm. uh, but for that one yep it was all score and it works so well right from the start the sort of the opening bars when they're, they're showing the titles and everything it's just great it's such good music
0: it's a movie as well that it's a tarantino film specifically that doesn't seem to get a lot of love
1: Mm, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a shame that, I, I, and I can't really understand why. It's yeah. as good as anything that he's done, as far as I'm concerned. Your second choice?
0: I'm going to go with another Liam Neeson film, actually. Okay. The Grey. I've
1: never seen it. Never seen it. I've, I've always, uh, it always pops up in sort of film four and things like that, but I've never sat down to actually watch it. So, what's that about?
0: Basically, this is without me reverting to the plot on Wikipedia. In my <laughs> memory, Liam Neeson and his pals are getting chased across the snowy woods by a pack of wolves. And mm. that's pretty much it. That's
1: enough, really.
0: In the film, got criticism, for, for really, really bizarre criticism, and people said, this isn't how wolves would act. And I'm like, yeah, it's a film. Yeah, yeah. It's a horror yeah. film, so to speak. You know, Kujo, as a rabid dog, wouldn't act like that. Jaws wouldn't act like that. Who cares? It's such a... It's a chase film, basically, because you've got mm-hmm. essentially getting chased across the snow. by this pack of wolves that have took it upon themselves to hunt them down. Mm. It is absolutely brutal. Some of the death scenes are incredibly violent. It's one of those films as well that some of the most horrific things happen off-camera. And that's even worse in its own way. Yes, oh, definitely. Yeah, Liam Neeson's absolutely fantastic in it. Absolutely, he's great. And yeah, I would highly recommend this film. It's it's such a great horror. I, I think it's a horror film. I don't know if it's if it's marketed as one, considered one. It is to me, I don't care if it's unrealistic. It's a <laughs> fun. It.
1: No, it's, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, Liam Neeson gets a an awful lot of stick for. Some of the roles that he takes on, uh, especially the sort of the, uh, when he did like, Taken Two and Taken Three, mm. the aging action star roles. But yeah, that actually sounds fairly promising. Yeah. Oh, I think I'll dig that one out.
0: Definitely, it's also got an art of the credit scene as well, which is worth watching. Mm. Uh, cool. How the film ends, it's worth watching, and that's all I can really say if it's spoiling it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed the thought for was a cracking film. And really nice. made use of its snowy setting of like no hope. You know, you can't watch no fun going, how are these guys going to get out of this? <laughs> get chased by animals that live in this environment and they are not equipped for it in the slightest. You know, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I'd definitely see that again.
1: Excellent. It's a very good choice.
0: What's your third one, John?
1: My third one is a fairly obvious one. It's uh, Die Hard 2. Oh, ho, ho. Nice, nice. <laughs> which uh, obviously well, that kind of fits the bill with everyone it's a Christmas film obviously um, and it's set in an airport that's uh, been snowed in so uh, John, McT- John McLean sorry, John McTeerland John McTiernan directed the first one. Uh, this one came from uh, Rennie Harlan, and obviously Bruce Willis returned as uh, New York cop John McLean. This time he's in an airport to to meet his wife Bonnie, coming off a flight, and of course uh, all sorts of bad shit goes down. Terrorists take take over, and all the planes are stuck in holding patterns, and it's up to it's up to John to try and figure things out. So, cracking movie, it's obviously it's got a Christmas song in it as well. It makes full use of the fact that, yep, it's snowing, it's in a horrible airport. I think it's Dulles International Airport, I think it is.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, uh, just all round classic movie. One of the better uh part two movies of uh some of the of, of all the ones that are out there. It it makes good use of the fact that everybody knows what John McLean's like from the first film, but sort of expands his range a wee bit and just sort of introduces other elements as well. The fact that he, he has a, a loving husband and everything, because at the very start of the film, like uh, one of the attendants in the airport is trying to chat him up and he, he produces his ring, you know, oh, hey, I'm married, you know, this kind of thing, you know. So it's, it sets him up as being a, like a, a particularly nice guy. But again, it's it's fairly brutal in some of the uh, the action scenes and the body count is particularly high in this film as well especially towards the end, obviously, but I I really, really like Die Hard 2, and it's one of these films that just go back to and watch again and again. If it's on the TV, and you may have missed an hour of it, you know, you can just drop in and watch the last bit of it, and you'll enjoy it just as much as you would if you'd watched the whole thing. You can watch, like, 15 minutes of it and still really enjoy it as well.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I'm a big fan of Die Hard 2. From the original trilogy, it's probably my least favourite, Mm-hmm. Was Die Hard, Die Hard for Vengeance, and Die Hard Two, but Die Hard was a very underrated film. As you say, it's a great sequel. It, it, again, it does rehash the plot of the first one, but it no, it, but it knows it does. Yes, reference oh. to that, and it just kind of changes the setting from Tower Block to the airport. Mm-hmm. Got some great set pieces, a great supporting cast, some good comedy in it, and Bruce Bruce Willis is just fantastic again in the role.
1: Yeah, he's obviously the sort of the high East fame at that point. And he could basically do no wrong, I think. Uh, obviously, there was a spectacular fall from grace in terms of his popularity and everything. But And obviously, there's, well, allegedly, there's people that have uh, had real problems with him uh, on set and everything, which, I mean, that could be just Hollywood tittle tattle, you just don't know. But in terms of his output... You know, you can't, you can't fault it when you've got things like uh, the Die Hard films, or the early ones at least. They, they did go rapidly downhill after number three.
0: So they're okay to watch. I can watch them. You
1: know. Yeah, they're disappointing. That's yeah. more than anything. You know, you, you want it to be really good because of the first three. You want a sort of continuation, but and you just don't get that.
0: Interesting yeah. enough, actually, I was on Twitter just before I came on here, and it was mm-hmm. writer from the fifth film, and he was trying to do a, a prequel. TV series,
1: oh, yes,
0: I held year one. And as, as a film, you're kind of like, Oh, this actually needs to be made. It's a TV series, so that's got some potential,
1: yeah. Well, there was obviously the TV series done of Lethal Weapon,
0: yeah, as that's well.
1: That's- is it? I've I've only seen maybe one or two episodes of it, and I thought,
0: Nah, it's just, yeah, pff, yeah, yeah, I'm it's just kidding. all right didn't interest the slightest, but i know people that watched it and requested
1: mm-hmm. it and really enjoyed it All Right? well uh, maybe a discussion for a future episode yes you never know yeah well that, that that seems to be a bit of a model that they're going for uh these days they're trying to mix things up in terms of having films and sort of t- associated tv shows they tried to do that with the uh, the gunslinger uh dark tower series and everything that was meant to be a film couple of TV series and then another film, you know, and sort of mix it up that way, but obviously it didn't really work out because the first film didn't do particularly well. No. So everything was shelved.
0: Very good reason for that film not doing very well. Yes. It? Yes, I yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so your third choice?
0: Well since we're talking about Stephen King. Uh-huh. The shining. Oh yeah. Classic. Yeah, nice. I, mean, I, had to be done. I was gonna try and be a hipster, and too cool for school and not have it, but mm-hmm. uh, how can I not have the shining in a film when you're talking about snow? Jack Torrance, played by Jack Nicholson, taking his family by the caretaker of the Overlook Hotel, and it's during the winter, They snowed in, they can't get to local towns and stuff, but they know this is going to happen, they're told this is the case. But he just snaps. He snaps big time, and his poor wife, played by Shelley Duvall, is in for a horrid time, apparently on set as well as a <laughs> film. However, as a movie, absolutely fantastic. I keep saying fantastic quite a lot tonight, it's a word I never use. But I love The Shining, it's a great film. Scary, brilliant performances, amazing visuals, mm-hmm. terrifying in parts. Um, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: The, the twins in particular, yeah. yeah. They, they kind of frightened me for a long time. That was uh, after seeing that film. Yes, it was quite harrowing, you know. Um, they, again, they they made good use of the the fact that it was set in this isolated uh, sort of rambling hotel, uh, and, and that kind of just made it very very creepy. Uh, the Shining's one of these films that have sort of it's worked its way into the sort of uh, the sort of public consciousness. It seems to crop up every now and then like so obviously there was the the old here's johnny uh sort of catchphrase that was around for a while but now you're getting references to it like in like ready player one and uh, obviously there's a new stephen king film dr sleep which is a, a follow-up to it with ewan Eur- mcgregor i believe playing the adult son and it's so and that looks quite good and it uses a lot of imagery from the shining uh and I was really surprised at that because obviously Stephen King famously didn't like the film version of The Shining it it was too far away from his original idea of what it should be like and he obviously did it again. I've not seen it but um I mean I I thought like Kubrick is Kubrick, you know, he was just absolutely fantastic and he was going to make his own film of the material—that's what he always does. He always, sorry, does he always did that? Uh, he would take it and sort of mould it to his own image, and he didn't really care if the, the original writers liked it or didn't like it. But yes, fantastic choice, really, really good, impressive.
0: I've heard mixed reviews on the miniseries, and the first time I heard about it, I heard it's just terrible. It's not worth watching. Years later, mm-hmm. people kind of looked at it a bit more kind of fondly in retrospect, and, and we like, "Do you know what? It's not that bad. It's worth watching, especially if you're a Stephen King fan." Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly enough, you probably do know this, but The Shining wasn't well received when it first came out. Mm-hmm. By critics, critics didn't like it, and now it's considered one of the greatest horror films ever made. Yeah, like, uh- I a genius. And it just goes to show you, you can't trust critics. <laughs> from, we're not going to tell you a film isn't any good just because i will trying to be cool. We're going to tell you it's very good because it's not very good.
1: Yes, well, and we, it's obviously very easy for us to have differing opinions as well without uh, having a massive fallout. Now, if Mary was here, she would always have a big fallout with us about all sorts of things. But uh, we were able to have a disagreement about Cold Pursuit. And, you know, I'm still talking to you.
0: Exactly. Do you know what? In 30 years' time, I might watch suit and think it's the greatest film ever made. Yeah. The things are going to age, you really don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, you can come and visit me in the nursing home and tell me what you think then. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you have uh, any honourable mentions? Anything that you'd considered for your shortlist?
0: I do have Just some quick mentions. Uh I asked Stephen King when actually had Misery.
1: Mm-hmm. No. Oh, yeah. Good yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Alive. Uh, and it's a pretty. Pretty grim movie, but not all the way through. It's a very kind of harrowing, and sh- yeah, but like, cool. I life affirming, but you know what I mean. It's got a very positive story behind it, but you U- mm-hmm. and things like that. But it's a hard watch, it really. Is
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I had um, Snowpiercer, which obviously we've covered in the site. Yeah,
0: it's
1: been around for a number of years. That's that's a particularly interesting film because just based on the story of how. Uh, it was put together and then uh, Harvey Weinstein tried to dismantle it for the American audience and uh, reassemble it into a film that he thinks that they would like and all the controversy surrounding that. Uh, and as a result actually. I don't think it's... It never had an official cinema release in the UK but it's mm-hmm. now on Netflix after many, many years. I think we reviewed it back in like 2014 or something, you know? Mm-hmm. When it initially came out, yeah. Well, I it it had Wind River which was a... Uh, uh, drama from last year, which yeah. was not I was, wasn't wasn't too bad, and uh, day after tomorrow, as well, which wasn't fully set, and you know, sort of, it was more weather than snow, so I didn't really think of that. But was, um, a nice touch of uh, wolves in the city in that one as well, which yeah, it's all right.
0: Yeah, because I was going to add Groundhog Day as well at one point, and, <sighs> and Groundhog Day was a good one, but. I just, in terms of, the, I, I thought I wanted something more. Of the snow more of an impact.
1: Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'd considered the Revenant as well, but that was only maybe about a third of that film. It was sort of set sort of in snow, obviously with the uh, the bear attack and everything. It was exactly. more sort of mud and rain.
0: That hasn't stopped some of our listeners and our submissions.
1: Hmm. Well.
0: <laughs> well, over <laughs> on Facebook from Graham Campbell, we have Snowpiercer and the thing
1: mm-hmm. very good choices yeah
0: gareth fraser picked empire strikes back again considered that but it's a reach. there's only there's only a bit of it it's a reach but it's also i, I like it. it's a good choice it was on my short list
1: <laughs> yes it was one i initially thought of because uh i thought about the last jedi with the sort of the planet with the fake snow and it turns out to be salt yeah and you know and it, Creates the sort of the red patterns and everything when the the tie fighters are going along eh, on it. But yeah, I, Empire Strikes Back is just a classic anyway. So yeah, right. it, could, it could could probably in most, be in most discussions that we have.
0: Put it on any list. A oh, The <laughs> Deadly Pursuit, which I haven't seen.
1: No, I've not seen that one, no.
0: And Lynn Downey had The Nightmare Before Christmas.
1: Ah, yes. Very good choice, Lynn.
0: Over on Twitter. We had a comment from Stuart McIntyre, who regarding corpus said, he still wants to know how on the guy that ends his parasailing, one of the worst films he's ever seen.
1: <laughs> I didn't want to mention the parasailing because that would kind of, uh, if I'd started talking about that, then I'd probably just gone into a whole uh, thing about the, the final act and uh, Sort of some of the humour involved in it, but yes, I it it was a particularly silly moment. But as I say, I I kind of touched on it in the when we were talking about it. Um, it fitted in with the sort of ski resort kind of theme of it as well. So, yes, uh, that that was because uh, you completely forget about the guy who's uh, parasailing yeah. for uh, a good fifteen minutes. You know, <laughs>
0: his favourite film from Snow Theme is The Shining.
1: Oh well, well. Somebody else in agreement with yourself, then, yeah.
0: You? We've got one for yourself here. We've got uh, John Gow, who submitted Die Hard 2, the underrated sequel. yeah
1: Thank
0: you, Mr Gow. And this one as well that I didn't know about, he put in Dumb and Dumber, in the Eddie's snow sequence snowball fight to remove the blood, his test audiences didn't like it. I don't
1: know. No, I didn't know that.
0: No, I'm going to have to look that up. I'm very intrigued. I love Dumb and Dumber.
1: Yeah, I, I actually forgot that the End up at a snow resort or sort ski resort, I should say. Yeah, forgot about
0: that. Yes, curious. See. I've also got a comment from at uh, the Bland fan on Twitter who loved Cold Pursuit, didn't realise it was so darkly funny. and else? The original was based on it at the time.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: yep. Bob Steele, who really enjoyed the last film, we saw with Liam Neeson, the commuter, couldn't think of any snow-themed films, but went with a day after tomorrow.
1: Yep, yeah, another excellent choice yeah you, you can't really go wrong uh, with the day after tomorrow in terms of a uh, it's a good disaster movie and uh, yeah i mean for its time um i don't know how well the uh, special effects have held up but at the time they were pretty much cutting edge they were good
0: it's yeah. eye candy has not it it's yeah yeah popcorn film so May as well have a look at some news, actually, if you don't mind. because Yeah, sure. Uh, and you see Paul Rudd has joined the Ghostbusters movie?
1: I did not, no. Is there any word about what part he's playing or how he's going to be involved in it? Because, obviously, he is a very, very good comic performer. He fits in really well in these sort of ensemble films, as he did. He showed very well in Ant-Man and, obviously, the uh, last two. Avengers movies as well. Was, or sorry, last Avenger movie. Um, he was particularly good in that, and a lot of stuff sort of revolved around him. He's got a very good sort of screen presence, and he never, he never grows old. He looks the same as he did when he was when he was about twenty-five. It's exactly. crazy.
0: I mean, everybody loves Paul Rudd. There is no, there's no much information on the Ghostbusters film. Sony won't comment on plot details. An insider says it's going to be an extension of the original film. mm Hmm. Now, how it works continuity-wise unknown, but the last Ghostbusters film was very polarising.
1: I liked it, and I know it's not a popular opinion, but I sat down and I watched it with my kids one night, and they both loved it. They both thought it was a fantastic movie, and they'd seen the original Ghostbusters, but they hadn't uh, been sort of privy to all the the controversy that uh, the film garnered uh, before it was released, and all the, the sort of uh, the toxic fanboy uh, stuff and Twitter and other social media, which um, did the film no favors. It really, really detracted from the film, and I felt quite sorry for uh, all the people that were involved in it. And but that soon changed because uh, as soon as a uh, had a bit of breathing space between the film uh, coming out and dying they announced that there was going to be an, a new all male version of it and they were quite blatant about the fact that yeah, you know, ah, we're just putting them to the side You know, we're just not going to bother about that and I thought that's pretty poor it's not, not really well done at all
0: Yeah, when I first heard about the film um, the idea of an all female cast didn't bother me the cast in itself didn't impress me Mm. I saw the trailers. I went. I was not looking forward to it, but of course I was going to go and see it. Yeah, I'm the same as yourself. I quite liked it. I quite enjoyed it. I thought. I thought it was fun. Was it better than the original? Of course not. not, No. 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 But I thought it was fun. I thought it was enjoyable film. If it got a sequel, I'd have went to see that. Didn't. And yeah, the marketing campaign. Oh, sorry. No, that's not a marketing campaign. The cry, Cry Baby. Marketing <laughs> probably didn't help much, but it was also a very expensive movie for a comedy. Yes, yeah. It's always going to be difficult for them to try and claw that money back for the kind of film it was.
1: Yeah, and even before the film came out, uh, there was the likes of Dan Aykroyd getting involved in saying, oh, yeah, I, I'm working on the, the new Ghostbusters universe. You know, and there was there plans in place for what they were going to do after that. And again, it's the case of like run before you can walk. Um, they're, they're they're making all these plans, but yet everything was dependent on the success of that film. Now, I'm always of a mind that you you put if you're if you're going to have any sort of ambitions like that, you make sure that the first film is a massive success. And obviously, there was all the the, the negativity, but then. It just didn't happen, which was—I I thought it was a real shame because I—I uh, I did enjoy the film. I like Chris Hemsworth in it as well. I thought he was particularly funny. He's, he funny. He's not shy about taking the mic out himself.
0: Yeah, I, I thought he was very good in the film. Very well written. Again, it's a cast on paper. I'm not a big fan of. I really enjoyed them in the film. I thought it was mm-hmm. very humorous. It's a shame. It was what it was. Yes. Yeah. I am naturally excited for the new one on the limited information we do have just because I'm intrigued to how to bounce back from it. Yes. And seeing Paul Rudd's name attached to it, he's a good choice. Yeah,
1: I can see him being the sort of the the focal point of any sort of new Ghostbusters group, you know, sort of taking over the mantle and taking it forward. I think that may be casting with an eye to the future.
0: Well, all you listeners out there, let us know what you're interested in. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, maybe even MySpace and Bebo if we're still on the go, at Moose <laughs> Gramble. Let us know what song you're looking forward to. If you're interested in playing the Moves Gramble drinking game, have a shot whenever uh, me and John repeat ourselves through this podcast. Using God. There'll
1: be people in hospital. You, you just don't know what you've done. Please drink responsibly. <laughs> all right, thanks very much, everybody. See you later.
0: See you guys. This doesn't happen in Kio. It just did. Three of Vikings' drug dealers have disappeared.
1: What makes you think you can kill a man? I read a crime novel.